0: It's the Chance of Gaming Podcast episode 33. Hopefully I wasn't lazy and decided to open the show with that fantastic track from um, The Smashing Pumpkins. I'm Adam Chance, and with me always is Richard and Roy.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Usually I say good evening, but we're going a little early today. So I just want to say my prediction was one episode short, but the St. Louis Blues are now the Stanley Cup champions. Thank you.
2: All right. You did it. Lauren Brannigan all, would be proud.
1: That's yes, right. It was
2: all you. It was all yep. you.
1: I heard her singing in the last episode and St. Louis is a, a big fan of Gloria. I'm sure she's trending on Spotify here.
2: <laughs> uh, and I am uh, Roy and I live in West Michigan. And uh, hey, it's summer. It's nice out. I like it. It's
0: 100, degre- 100 degrees here in Mississippi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's the temperature inside your house?
0: Uh, it's ninety five since my AC broke
1: <laughs>
0: since yesterday.
1: And, oh, yeah. that's brutal.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like my wife is getting where she like can't stand it, and I'm like, I went through Katrina. It doesn't bother me. It's like I'm I can handle it. You know, we we went like for almost three almost three weeks without power or something like that. You oh, know, wow. it, it, it it was like into August when we finally got power back. You know, so mm. I, you know I'm used to it, but. She was like, eh, no, we need to get a hotel, or I'm like, well, Airbnb's cheaper, but anyway. Yeah, what sucks is, I I can fix it, and when it broke yesterday, I'm like, okay, this is the part I need, and I called everywhere, and no parts place is open, and no place is willing to sell me the part. They're like, we'll come out and fix it, and I'm like, well, what is that going to cost? I'm like, well, first of all, it's $100 for us to go out there. And then it's $150 an hour, minimum one hour. And then that part will be $50. And I'm like, I will sit and sweat for two days because that part's (laughs) like an $11 part. And I'll pick it up Monday and fix this. Ugh. Just anyway, whatever. So uh, you may have noticed or maybe not. I occasionally blog. I get these things in my mind and I kind of toss things up there. And um, the last thing I tossed up, I actually was proud of. I, I really am. Was the So You Maybe want to get into ancient gaming and i was going to mention this to rich because he talked about maybe one day getting into miniature gaming i kind of thought this would be a really good this is a really good entry to historical gaming period is ancients and i kind of list the reasons why and like, why I choose, I, I would say, for you to do the DBA rules first. And if you like it, you know, you can move on to more complex rules. But uh, yeah, so I posted that. And then I post finally posted my response to the uh, War Machine sit rep. Did they listen? No. They did something completely different that we'll talk about later on in the show <laughs> that surprised okay. the hell out of me. So. so, Adam,
1: let me ask you a question about ancients. Yes. And really, this applies to anything, but. Well, uh, miniature wargaming, but does anyone offer a cheap pre-painted minis that you can use to play? You know, because I'm really developing a love-hate relationship with painting. You know, once I get the things done, I'm glad they're done and I like the way they look, but I'm really – it's getting to be a pain for me to, like, drag out the paints and and do everything, and this is – You know, Star Wars Legion, we're talking about just a handful of minis. If I'm going to play an Ancients War game and I'm going to have to paint, you know, a hundred tiny little guys and paint all their their legs and their little loincloths and everything, that's going to drive me insane. And I don't think that I would ever actually play the game.
0: Uh, I trust me, I completely understand that because I I pay people to paint mine. And I, I tell you this, I am really interested in uh these new Games Workshop um contrast paints.
1: Yeah, I've been watching some videos on those and um I don't know. I I think I think they're interesting, but they're I think they're more expensive for one and you still you're still gonna run into the, the same situation where it's just it's just a lot to do. I think that's one of the big the big draws to X Wing is that it's ready to go. You know, you just put it on the table and play it. And I'm, I'm surprised that no one else has done that. Honestly, I'm surprised that they don't offer some pre-painted uh, Legion miniatures.
0: That's true. Uh, I mean, AT43 was like the really big one when when that came out. I was like, wow, if this thing is successful, I fully expect a company like Games Workshop to do pre-paints. But, of course, it wasn't, and, of course, they didn't. And so that's been the only kind of surge toward pre-paints until, like, X-Wing. And, honestly, I think it's because Fantasy Flight can afford to do it, and nobody else really can. I I guess Games Workshop could if they wanted to, but they don't need to. And, you know, that's why. I guess their, their thing was the contrast paints. They're like, look, we're tired of people just putting together stuff. You know, painting is part of our game. You know these will help you do it easily but of course that's for the larger size minis and it's a guy wearing just armor so you can literally just hit him with like three different kinds of contrast paint and he's done they may work for um legion like i got my Snowtroopers in and i'm thinking maybe you know but maybe uh like base coat on black and then put some you know do the white brush over i don't know but uh ancients no they i think we talked about it on the show a couple episodes ago i found a a company that does like um 15 millimeter pre-paints that you can buy like by the figure and they were pretty reasonable because they included the cost of the figure um but they were mostly for like napoleonic stuff i'll look around and uh see what i can find and if i can find something to be right here in, yeah. in the show notes I will say I found it. I founded I founded I have found a good company over in the UK that I have bought fully painted six millimeter armies from to do and I just ordered like some seven years war French and Prussians from them and I have previously bought Napoleonic stuff from them and I like the quality and I like the price
2: boy Let's six say. millimeter there's like there's yeah. no
0: detail there I, I know and so, i see i like that you know anyway because they they look more like an army because there's like more of them on the base and you know mm-hmm. and nobody's worried about their eyeballs or anything like that and
1: yeah
0: <laughs> so you just kind of move it around
1: yeah well that's something to keep in mind i uh i was my my oldest daughter is actually going to move out the end of this week and i was just up there eyeing her bedroom as my future game room um but uh Dad, why yeah. are you
0: measuring things off? <laughs> no,
1: know. she knows. She knows, it's, and it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's something I'm interested in. I'm just not. I'm not sure that I'm ready for that yet. Not not ready to commit to that.
0: Oh yeah, sure. And you know, I, I completely understand. Now, if you were to ask me, it was like, well, what game should I get into, Adam? I the first thing I would tell you is, well, what uh, first thing I would ask you is, what do people play in your area? That, that's got to be the thing. It's like you have to, you really need to play something that every other people, you need to be able to get a game. In. Right. So, I mean, it's no fun if you just buy it. And even if you have two forces, you know, it's just not as fun as if there's like an active group in your area playing stuff. Well, so, Adam, Yes.
2: you, you got to realize, though, that Rich runs STL War Games. If he wants to play, you know, like Ancients, <laughs> he can twist some arms and make it happen.
0: That yeah. is true. They will fall in line. Yep. They're that's like, right. All right, guys, we're throwing all this advanced squad leader stuff in the trash.
1: Now doing, <laughs> oh, 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 I wouldn't go that far. Now, what we're doing
0: is, yeah, <laughs> we're doing That's the nice
1: thing about Hex yeah. Encounter is you don't have to paint it.
0: Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I don't
1: know
0: if yeah. you guys uh, saw it on Twitter. I actually. F- opened up my copy of uh old school tactical from mark yeah. walker those maps in there are absolutely gorgeous and they're absolutely huge they're probably three to four times the size of an average asl map and they're they're bound what do you call it they're backed bound whatever mounted mounted that's what i'm trying to yeah. say yes mounted hmm. So, I'm going to. And it's only like two counter sheets, too, is all you get in it. So, I'm kind of really interested to play that. And I posted it on Twitter, and people talked about, oh, yeah, that's a great game. It's my favorite system, blah, blah, blah. So, hopefully, I'll get that to the table soon. Okay. But, yes, I was just going to toss that in there. And you mentioned Hex (laughs) Encounter, and it reminded me. But, uh, anyway, yeah. Wow, we haven't even started the show yet. This is where we are. (laughs) <laughs> see if we had patreon like people we would cut this part out and like it would be a patreon exclusive i did listen to yeah. an, another podcast recently that had an after show for their patreon uh people and it's essentially like where they just comment on the show they just did like were hey remember when i could when roy told me to pronounce this and i couldn't that was funny Ha-ha. you know <laughs> that it, it, they do that kind of stuff i'm like really that's the thing <laughs> uh, okay Whatever. Anyway, so what have you been playing, Rich? Uh,
1: I've been playing a lot of Star Wars Imperial Assault, actually. Um, I, we got that back out a few weeks ago. I've been playing with my nine-year-old. And uh, we had we had almost all the heroes, speaking of painting, painted for that one already. We had a couple that still needed to be painted. So I sat down and painted those while she painted some more of my little side stuff. And we've been playing a lot of Star Wars Imperial Assault. Just the two of us were using the app, um, and it it plays the Empire, and we can just play our two heroes and everything, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, We'll we'll continue on, at least through this one, and then we're going to decide what we want to do next. There's a couple Imperial Assault expansions that they have campaigns for in the app, I think like Jabba's Realm, and I don't know, it doesn't matter, one other, um, but we're just playing the core set right now, and Star Wars Imperial Assault, we're having a good time with it.
2: So with the app, do you you put in the forces that you have and then you put in the maps that they're on. Does it move the the pieces around for you?
1: No, it does not move the pieces around for you, but it actually tells you, it shows you on the screen, what the map looks like. um, Mm -hmm. And it tells you where the bad guys come in But once they come into the game, the app loses track of them. It doesn't know or care where they are. It just Mm -hmm. tells you what to do on their turn. It says, like, this guy is going to go and attack this character. Or this guy is going to move and attack the character that has the most damage on it already. Or Mm -hmm. this guy, if he has this much damage on him, he's going to fall back and heal himself. So it tells you what they do given the situation. And it gives you basically a whole list of things to do. And you just pick. You start at the top. And once you you do two of those things then their turn is over uh but it's it it's an it's good enough that it it covers all the situations and it plays fairly difficult i mean it's not it's not super hard um but it'll it'll keep throwing enemies at you and you have to you have to stay focused on the mission at least
0: Mm -hmm.
1: all right and then i've been playing some more uh Oh, yeah, I
0: was gonna say, uh, there is a new version, uh, a new mode for uh, Imperial Assault.
1: I saw that. Yeah, I, I just saw that. I think today, actually, um, where it's like, a, like a World of Warcraft raid or something like that, right?
0: Something like that. They call it raid, and it's uh, they actually had the first mission is on a new map that you can buy, and it, it'll be a whole thing. Uh, I tell you, I talked to my. Uh, Guys that that I game with uh, X Wing wise, and they were like, "Man, we just don't understand this." We had heard that they had, you know, were giving up on uh, Imperial Assault and blah blah blah, and they weren't going to do this or that, and all of a sudden now they're announcing a new mode. So it's like now we're interested in playing it.
1: Yeah, it's um the skirmish game was really popular for a long time. I mean, a lot of people playing it. Um, it's not quite as popular as it was. I think with Legion coming out, it took some of the people away. And actually, when Legion come a- came out, I think a lot of people thought that was the beginning of the end for Imperial Assault. But I'm not seeing that. They they released another expansion for Imperial Assault just last year. Um, the Heart of the Alliance or Heart of the Empire or something like that. Um, but they're yeah, and obviously they've got this new mode coming out for it as well. So. It's it's doing well as far as I can tell. It's still well supported. I think of the of the big Star Wars properties, the only one that doesn't seem to be getting a decent amount of support is Armada. We've talked about that before, but ah. even that's getting some things, just not as much.
0: True. And uh I, oh yeah, the the stupid Super Star Destroyer still hasn't come out yet. But you know whatever. <laughs> uh, I will say my thirty five dollar copy of Imperial Assault finally came in from that yeah. big a- Amazon sale about a month ago. So,
1: Yeah, There's a lot in that box for 35 bucks. I mean, honestly, even if, if you were like a Star Wars role player or something, that would be worth it just to buy the pennies.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: And then I've been playing more Gloomhaven. Uh, we're continuing our campaign with that. In fact, I even picked up a copy of... Um, because I think when my nine-year-old and I are done playing Imperial Assault, I think we might move on to Gloomhaven. I think she's probably ready for that. So, um, again, it's got nice minis, and it'll be fun to paint those and play together. I'm basically just... um, I've got one daughter moving off to college and one getting married, so pretty soon the nine-year-old's going to be the only one in the house. So I'm just looking for stuff we can play together and both enjoy. And then at the STL Wargamers uh, Monthly Gaming Day, we were playing D-Day games, because it's... June is the 75th anniversary of D-Day. So, we played a couple D-Day type games. Um one wasn't really a D-Day game, but it was a France game and it was called Race to the Rhine. Have you played that one?
0: I have not.
1: It was a pretty interesting game. Um so you play it's uh it's the three player it's a three player game, although I guess you could I think there's rules for one and two, but it really does play best with three and you play three allied army commanders. So you play Omar Bradley, you play George Patton and you play, uh, Monty, uh, Montgomery. So in each of you, it, you are literally racing to the Rhine. You are trying to get into Germany before the other guys get into Germany. So it's a, it's a race for the allied armies and, uh, you, you have to maintain your supply. It's really a, A moving supplies game more than anything because the combat is is not difficult um in fact there's no there's no dice or anything like that what it is is you turn over a card and you find out what german army is in a certain space and it just shows you how much you have to have to defeat that army so like this guy you have to have two bullets and one gas because it's a tank army this guy you have to have three bullets and then if you want to keep moving after that you have to have more gas so it's just having enough supplies to keep moving toward the Rhine and then at the at the end of every one of your turns you get to place Germany's uh German armies onto the map coming from the Rhine back toward you but obviously you're not going to place them in your own sector you're going to place them in the other guy's sector so it's sort of a it's sort of a jump on the leader thing, but it makes sense because whichever army is advancing the fastest, that's where Germany's going to send most of its forces up to, to do counterattacks. And it's, it was a really fun game. We, we had enough time and had enough fun that we actually played it twice. It plays it in oh, about an hour or so. It didn't take very long. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It's called Race to the Rhine. And I think there's a, a newer version of it coming out where it's not going to be the Rhine. It's going to be maybe Eastern Front or something like that.
2: Race, Race to the, to the, the Race I think the it's Volga. I,
1: I think it's a Barbosa game actually where you play the the German armies and you play the the North Center and South armies. Cool. And I don't know what that one's called but uh, the one's I heard that one is coming out. So that one's called Race to the Rhine. And then we played this other game. This was like an ancient game. This is one of those ones where you get out the box and you have to blow the dust off of it and everything. But it was called The Major Campaigns of George S. Patton or something like that. And it was actually – there were three games in the box. There was was France, uh, Sicily, and – I don't remember what the other one was. Uh, The Bulge? Let's see. Maybe.
2: but Sicily, Normandy Breakout, and The Bulge.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because this one was the Normandy breakout and then the Bulge. We just played the Normandy breakout one. Um, and, you know, it was super simple, um, but it was fun. It was – I played uh, I played the Germans, and basically I just had to defend France. The other guy had to – had to just get a certain number of cities and a certain number of turns. And there was nothing complicated at all about it, but it was a small print, and it was a fun game to play. I would consider it a coffee shop game. Um, I could see myself playing that game in a, you know, small, small table where you don't have to concentrate too much. And you're just having a conversation. Um, It's funny because the guy that brought the game, he printed up his own counters, which were nice, but the counters, that came with this game are the flimsiest counters I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen counters so thin. It was hilarious. And he's like, yeah, you can see why I reprinted everything. Um, but it's, it's funny. It, it looks like a, it looks like an old seventies game. Like the colors are bizarre and the counters were super thin and the rules were simple, but it was fun. We had a good time.
2: <laughs> they used the better cardboard for the hits of acid.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so,
2: uh- which side did you play?
1: I played the Germans in the... Uh, the I'm, I'm the, sorry. What? Who did you play? Z Germans. Thank you. There Thank you, you very walk. much. Yeah, the Z Germans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you may yeah, continue. So
1: that's what I've been playing.
0: Hey. boy, what is Girl Genius? The works. <laughs> so
2: uh, this is a, a game that was brought by a friend of mine. Girl Genius apparently is a webcomic. It is a uh, steampunk webcomic. Uh, apparently pretty long running so this card game uh, you lay the cards out in a grid and you alternate the placement of them like long and short and each card has along the edges a um, symbols and so depending on which card you're playing you take the card that has the the um, the most symbols and then you know if you play if you can take it and add it to your stack that gives you points and it may have some sort of uh, special, ability that happens when you when you take it um so it was an interesting little game of you know of course if if you're into the into the webcomic it'd be a lot more um fulfilling but uh, the, so the gameplay was all right
1: is it thematic from the webcomic or is it just like art from the webcomic
2: it's art from the webcomic and um the you know some of the special things that are on there are um uh relate to the artwork. So. And then I, I forgot about the other part of this, um, the CCG Xenophile. And so when when the my friend Dana was talking about Xenophile, I said, is that with an X or a Z? He says, well, it's with three Xs. Oh. <laughs> so Xenophile is a very um, kind of risque game that um, has kind of... Uh, um, like strip poker kind of elements to it too. So you know, if you want to if you want to play it sexy like, you can play Xenophile. But Girl Genius is is uh, perfectly PG thirteen.
1: So are the three of us going to play Xenophile at Dice Tower Con?
2: I'm I'm down, man. <laughs>
0: I will I will look in the game library and see if it's there. <laughs> it looks like it was made in '99. Yeah, it said re-implemented by Girl Genius. Oh, uh, yeah, James Ernest and. Phil Foglio, uh, did this, and uh, yeah, it's cartoon esque type thing to like romance cover type artwork is is kind of the gambit it runs. Mm-hmm. So ah, yeah, doesn't uh, look yeah it is a little risque, but I don't see any like outright like nudity or anything. So
2: the adults only trading card game. Okay. <laughs> uh. And so then I played a new game called Space Gate Odyssey. And boy, howdy, does this have the mechanics in it. So it's any sort of mechanic that you want to play. Um, it's in this game. So tile laying, <laughs> it's in there. Uh, Roll selection, it's in there. Area control, it's in there. Um, but I got this from our, our game library. And I got it mostly because of the box art I thought was pretty cool. Um, but so it's a game of building a space station. And so you move your little engineers around and the engineers will take a, a a new module from the stack and add it to your space station. And so you have three different sorts of of tiles. You have like a, uh, there's an airlock where settlers come in. There's a gate module where settlers go out, they get whisked off to a planet. and then there's some some modules that give you um, special abilities or give you additional little engineers to move around. And so you bring the settlers onto your space station and you move around based on, on what color you choose. And then eventually once you get the gate module filled up, then away they go to the planet. And uh, each planet has plays a little bit different as far as how you score points from it. So that's where the area control comes in, in, into play. It's like there's one planet where it's, uh, it's longest road. Whoever has the longest road gets the bulk of the points for that planet or whoever has the most um, settlements around a volcano, or various things like that. So th- this was an interesting game. i uh, played it a couple of times, and it's uh, brand new, and it's called Space Gate Odyssey.
1: So you said it's got lots of mechanics. Do you think it, was it trying to do too much, or did it work?
2: I think it works, because it's, cool. the, the different mechanics come in at uh, various parts of the game. So you have the the kind of the master space station where you can move around, and so like if you go onto blue, if you go onto the water sp- space, then you can move any settlers on your space station into blue rooms, and those blue rooms may be a gate room, and so once that fills up, then it you know away they go and they're off to the planet.
0: Um, so yeah, I kind of liked this game. Cool. Yeah, I, I like the artwork on the front. It looked really cool.
2: Yeah, that's that's what drew me into it. So yeah, and then I played. Uh, this is a while ago. I played a game called Gaia, which is a tile laying game, and it's you. There's different uh, terrain. There's there's the swamp. There's the grassland. There's there's whatever. And then um, each some tiles have a city on them that you can lay down. And if you can if you can satisfy two of the conditions that are required for the city then you can put a meeple on it if you can just if you can satisfy four of the tiles that are required for the city then you can put two meeples on it and it's just a race to get rid of all your meeples and get them onto the board so mm-hmm. it's a cute little game of of tile laying
1: do uh do all the tiles get laid at the beginning of the game or do you lay them over no, the course? no the so game? there's
2: there's two stacks there's one that just has um terrain tiles. And then there's one that has city tiles. And so a city like so a city tile will say this one has to be placed on a mountain tile. And you if there's a mountain tile available, you can put the city there. And it has to have uh, it has to either be fed with animals or have a forest near it or something like that. And then yeah, so that's how you how you put the cities down. So
1: mm, a little bit it. of a little bit of a Carcassonne feel to it.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think so. That's and cool. So that's uh, that's what I've been playing.
0: I actually got to uh, play something this week. You know, wonder of wonders, the, the <laughs> person that, that never ever does. Um, I got to play a game of Command and Colors Ancients, and you know, this is what you know. If you were if you were just a Euro gamer or you know whatever other people play that isn't war games, and you're like, you know, I kind of want to get and try war games out. I definitely recommend the Command & Color system. It's really easy to grasp, and there's a lot of, like, strategy, you know, in it. And I just love, like, the luck in it, you know. It's it's not only, like, you know, the roll of the dice, but it's the draw of the, you know, what right. you draw. I know some people don't, because, like, Combat Commander, the only reason why it's not, like, the perfect game is people don't like the luck aspect of it, the cards you have to draw. But uh I really dig it with command and colors. I I like it a lot. Basically your uh map is divided up into three areas like the left flank, right flank and the center. And your cards are all based on that. Like it'll say like you know, move 3 units on the on the right flank or move one unit each section. Stuff like that. And you know, and that just provides a really cool, you know, uh, gamification of the, you know, the the uh, fog of war, and I just think it's really neat. So yeah. you pu- you own it, right, Richard?
1: Yeah, I. It's one of those games that it's. I, I'm surprised I don't play it more because it's. It doesn't take long to set up. I mean, once you have everything stickered, that takes forever. But um, you know, you drag out some pieces, and the game plays quickly. It's easy to teach to people. I'm really surprised that I don't play this game more. I like it a lot and I wish I could play it more. Um, and I really like the ancients. I've played, I have not played Napoleonic's. Medieval just came out. I would like to play that one, but I haven't yet. But I've played New World, More 44, World War One, um, and there's a space one too. I can't remember what it's called, but it, those don't quite make sense to me because. In World War Two, you didn't have all your forces in a line and command your left flank to move and stuff like that. But in Ancients, it really, the system fits the mechanic very well. And I think it fits up until Napoleonics and Medieval as well. I really want to get a chance to play Medieval. Uh, you know, that that one just came out. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoy it quite a bit.
0: Well, um, I have it on order. Yeah. And I'll tell you this: I talked with my friend, and um, because he was wanting to order last hundred yards, you know, he listened to our interview. And was like, <laughs> "Wow, this sounds incredible! I must." We have
1: this. move product. That's what yes, we did. Yes,
0: we we moved we moved it. Uh, Roger, that's us. It's just <laughs> you know those hundreds of extra orders you got in. That was all us. So, because um, I mean, if he didn't get it, I was going to get it. I mean, the price—you can't be beat. Anyway, I think uh, if you get it from NWS or wherever, it's like thirty-five bucks. It has a low MSRP. So uh, we actually looked like between NWS and Miniature Market, and Miniature Market was about a dollar more. But the thing is, is it was in stock and it was going to ship. So, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, because I kind of want to get this in before Dice Tower Con, so that's what I did. I ended up, we did a uh, a miniature market order, and And uh, just ordered it from there.
1: If you guys want anything from miniature market this week, let me know, and I'll pick it up for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: But, yeah, we just, I mean, we looked at the, the NWS... Uh, website, you know, he has a new one. It is now like I think it's navalwargamesolutions.com It's no longer the the Yahoo thing. He has a big, full website. Oh, now.
1: I didn't realize that. And I'll, he, I'll,
0: link, I'll link it here in the show notes. Is and he still
1: going back and forth on whether he's going to carry board games.
0: I, I don't think so. <laughs> he's he's committed to some, and you know, we my friend and I were talking, and we were looking at it, and we're like, well, you know, his prices just aren't that great on some of the stuff. However, he does have, continues to have the best prices on Advanced Squad Leader stuff, on on all the MMP stuff.
1: Yeah, that's he's,
0: true. He's, he's just within a couple of bucks, you know, um, on stuff like uh, uh, GMT and all that. But, yeah, the, the MMP stuff is discounts pretty deep. Compass, too. So, you know, and not everybody carries those. Like, you can't get those from cool stuff or, you know, whatever. So, you know, so...
1: Well- you say his prices are on compass i've got a friend that just had the game released by compass and i'll need to check the prices on that one
0: yeah we could do that right now we can uh do some live googling
1: <laughs> see if he's got Barlev available
0: yeah because i actually meant to uh message you and uh ask like what your your friend um it's nws wargamingstore.net that's a huge mouthful <laughs> NWS net. But the weird thing is, it's, okay, it says it's live 518, which was a month ago. Alright, I click on it, and it says we're in the process of moving. <laughs> oh, okay, no, 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 I'm sorry. I gotta click up here on the top where it says shop. Alright, so if I want like Compass Games, that would be in the wargame section. Nah, I kinda don't like he doesn't have things divided up by company. Yeah, and I don't see any. Uh, yeah, I see Blue Water Navy. Okay, so he does have Compass games. So what's the, uh, what was the title of it you said?
1: Barlev. B-A-R-L-E-V.
0: Don't see it. Right. Not yet. The, not yet. Oh, yes, it is. It is It is right here. I am sorry. Yeah, you talked about this before. This is Barlev, the 1973 Arab-Israeli War. He has yeah. it for $62.
1: See, like Compass is selling it for, I think, 90
0: Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah.
1: That's a big deal.
0: Yeah, because my friend was asking me, he's like, does he ever do, like, is there a free shipping threshold? I'm like, no, not unless maybe you bought the entire store. I don't think so. It just goes up the more you buy. (laughs) What I I like doing is, you know, because he's always, you know, takes a while to ship stuff. Anytime I order anything else, he always refunds my shipping back on anything else I ordered in the two months it takes me to get my original order. So there's that. But, yeah, anyway. So, the only other game I played, I actually got to observe, and I posted these pictures on Twitter, oh, a game of Longstreet, and that comes from Sam Mufasta, or M- Mustafa, because I want to say Mufasa, like, Mufasa,
3: Lionel.
0: yeah, Mufasa, uh, Publishing, uh, my friend Elliot is a big, big fan of his, and has a bunch of his games, and he and I are supposed to get together and do Blucher at some point, anyway, and, uh, he decided to do this Longstreet, game. I don't do a lot of ACW, uh, so I couldn't tell you, you know, too much about it. The guy he was playing does and he seemed to like it. It has a card mechanic and so they were having to play and draw, you know, right there at the beginning of their turn. So it was pretty cool. Mm. Looked really nice and, you know, that kind of thing really attracts people's attention too when they come in the shop. They were kind of set up right there by the door and people were just like, Wow, you know, it's a bunch of fifteen millimeter you know american civil war figures perfectly painted you know and the the board was done really well we we grabbed the uh the one we had in the shop uh that has the teddy bear fur and stuff like that so it, it looked really cool and yeah so uh yeah it seemed pretty nice it looked really cool and it played like within two hours so that's always a bonus in in my my eyes so there you go
2: hey i'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here about civil war novels have, <laughs> have either of you guys read there's two uh, the, these are both books by a guy author by the name of harry Turtledove.
0: Uh, oh i know what you're talking about uh, guns of
2: the south guns of the south and how few remain so I... have have you read either of those rich i have not no i think you would enjoy them So Guns of the South tells the story of the South getting their hands on automatic weaponry (laughs) and and how that would have changed the Civil War and what happened there. And so um, kind of the and I I will no spoilers here. Uh, There's some time travelers that show up (laughs) at at the beginning of the book and they approach uh, the southern commanders and they say, hey, we have these awesome weapons how would you like to fight your war with this? And so it tells the story of how... how that would have changed uh, the war... and and the outcomes of what happened. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, Guns of the South.
1: That is interesting. I, I've never heard of that book. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I remember it, like, back in the early to mid-90s, I think. If I yeah. remember correctly... It's like white supremacists, or or whatever, are yeah. the ones that go back in time. And they give they give the South uh, AK-47s. Yep. Because they're... No, they're,
2: they're, uh, you know, they're Uzis. Oh, okay. A Jewish weapon, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> or an Israeli weapon, I guess.
0: And so, yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah, Harry Tur- Turtle Dove got pretty famous for um, alternate history. He did this, like, World War Two one, like, where like it's somewhere in the middle of world war ii aliens invade
3: oh really and so okay.
0: we all we all have to like stop fighting each other and band together to defeat the uh the aliens the cover of the book is a take on that uh you know that famous photograph of like the malta conference where it's like stalin
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh you know and blah 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 you know and they're black.
2: all sitting down because of uh, roosevelt right
0: yeah, yeah okay it's got Stalin FDR you know and uh, Churchill and all that well the cover of the book is that but it also includes Hitler and Mussolini and Hirohito oh wow you know because we all have to band together you know to, to defeat the aliens mm-hmm. you know honestly this really bleeds into something we'll talk about later on in the show but you will get to that later well first
2: Oh, there's another uh, Turtledove book called How Few Remain that's also based in in the Civil War. But it's it's a much more plausible situation wherein the South wins the war because uh, England comes in and recognizes them as a sovereign nation. Mm. So that's that's an interesting read, too.
0: Hmm. Okay. So Yeah, that was definitely something they wanted to happen. And they were like, yeah, we'll be right over there just as soon as you uh, abolish slavery. And we'll be right over there. The circumstances <laughs> of
2: how that happened are pretty remarkable. And it's, it's based on actual events that had things happen just a little bit different. Um, it, yeah. It, anyway, it's an interesting read. I recommend it.
0: Alright, we uh, make it on over to What's on our Radar? And the first thing I had, uh, somebody pointed this out to me because apparently there's a a Kickstarter for a new edition of this. It's supposed to be like the greatest thing since sliced bread. It is a, uh, it's an RPG module called King for a Day. It is a seamless fantasy sandbox campaign written in the style of Lovecraft with more creep than gore. Set in a traditional Anglo-Saxon sh- anglo Shire, the campaign is an extensive toolkit of people, places, and strange events all culminating in a horrific and unreal finale. So, yeah, and it's, you know, it's mature players. It has a pretty crappy little trailer there. And so, yeah, it's this is supposed to be an infamous thing, you know, that people know about and people like and all this whatever. But I had never heard of it, so i was just going to toss it on here. I know there is a Kickstarter up for a second edition of it. So, just going to toss this on here.
2: Yeah, I watched that trailer. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's uh it yeah, it I mean it the production value wasn't all there, but Well, yeah. Uh, what,
2: but I mean I, as far I, as the I, the product they were pimping. Right, uh-huh. but you know,
0: good for that. And uh the next thing I had was I found this on the same freaking page, and it's called Liminal. It's from Modifius.
2: Modifius?
0: Modifius. Um, more. I want always want to say Morpheus. Yeah. It's Modifius. Man, when Roy's on here, I can't pronounce anything. It's um. There's there's more to the world than most of us know. Academic wizards and gutter mages, vampires and werewolves, men in black working for a secret religious order, and a police division investigating Photian crimes. The cities and their very landscape encompass haunted places and lost bubbles of history, fairy courts, and places of power. I'm pretty sure that paragraph has like 10 run-on sentences in it, but I'm not going to say anything because, you know, people in glass houses... So uh, anyway, it's supposed to be a really cool setting and stuff like that, and it kind of reminds me a lot of like the original White Wolf Mage. Yep. So uh, I dig the cover art, which is you know you always get me when you have like a group of people staring off at, into something or another. So, and plus it's based has a basis in the, the magic in it has a basis in uh, British and Irish folklore and legends and stuff like that. So
2: I'm kind of getting a uh, uh, Jim Butcher vibe vibe off of this too.
0: Yeah,
1: I was yeah. thinking the same thing.
0: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I don't know enough about it to know, like, how modern it is. Like, you know, because I always liked how Harry, you know, he can't use computers and stuff like that because that all, always messes up. And he has to use, a, you know, he's got a Smith & Wesson, too. And, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know.
1: You don't need to use computers when you've got a skull you can send out to go find out information for you. So. What, was it,
0: what was his name, Bob?
1: Yeah, Bob. I think so, yeah. <laughs>
0: Bob. Um, the next thing we had was Tecamel, and I only know how to pronounce this because I listened to a podcast based on this about this. This is a uh this is some bundle of holding, and as of uh this podcast, you've got about eight days to decide if you want to get this. It is the Tecamel bundle of holding that gets you get a starter collection or a bonus collection. And I was like, what is this? This sounds kind of weird, and I think I've heard something about it on Twitter. And so I start looking around, and I found this podcast called um, – uh, it's from the S- System Mastery podcast where they actually oh, – yeah. I had never listened to them before.
1: It's and been so- a while, but I have heard it, yeah.
0: Well, I actually went through their, their whole back catalog and, and downloaded a bunch of different ones to listen to because I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to know what that one was and what that one was. And um, so they did one on this, and this guy is M-A-R Barker, I believe, uh, came up with this whole thing, this whole setting. And the setting is pretty crazy. And uh, I'll link the podcast in the show notes. They'd have to explain it better... T- to you than I ever will because it's pretty complex it's like not only do we have like you know elves and all this normal stuff but you end up like taken off of earth into a, like another dimension and on a moon and that breaks loose then 5,000 years later this is when the game starts you know it's, it's this whole weird weird thing and apparently the guy was a linguist so one of the things you get in the, uh, the bundle is a uh, language books if you wanted to actually you know, uh, learn (laughs) how to read and write in this thing and uh, yeah, and apparently there's a whole Tecumel foundation that, you know, keeps this copyright going and puts out stuff and yeah, from this dude, so I just thought it was interesting because I had never heard of it and it came out in 75 so I guess it was completely eclipsed by D&D or something and yeah Hmm. I don't know
1: so I was going to talk about this later, but we're talking about a lot of RPG systems right now, so I think I'll just move it up. Um, my RPG group, is you know, we kind of faltered, and it almost feels like we fell apart. I'm not sure exactly where we are. But there's two of us, the two of us that have been taking turns GMing in different systems. We're both just kind of deciding what we want to do next, and we're looking for a new RPG. Um, he has suggested the Warhammer Fantasy RPG, and I'm, I I i just sort of glanced over it and at first glance because I've never played Warhammer games at all like never a tabletop game a card game a video game I've never played anything Warhammer so I don't know much about it and at first glance I look at it and I think well how is this different from anyone else because it's got humans and elves and halflings and all them um, so we're trying to decide what we want to do next. And I look at these other systems and worlds and stuff that you looked at and those look fascinating to me, but I'm just, it, you really, you have to get your whole group on board with one thing. And I think that's what we're really finding difficult right now. So I don't know what do you, uh, Roy, I know you play RPGs. Do you just, you just play D and D or do you play anything else?
2: Well, I do have a copy of the first edition of this game yeah uh, warhammer fantasy role play um, so what would
1: you say what is warhammer's thing like why would you play warhammer instead of
2: D or whatever you, you don't want to get into combat because it's brutal okay so uh like in in standard warhammer like the tabletop game you have a ballistic skill and a toughness
3: mm-hmm.
2: so that's uh the as far as mechanics go that's uh in in frpg there's uh I believe it's a percentile roll. So, like, you have a ballistic skill of 30, and you have to roll over that. And then, so any wounds that you apply from your weapon come off of your toughness. And once you get past that toughness, then you start doing crits. And so it has a crit crit table in it.
1: So is a toughness? Is that between 1 and 100 as well?
2: No, it's like 1 to 4 or something.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
2: So... um yeah, once once you start taking crits, then that's that's they're brutal. Um, yeah. So you so, really don't want to get into combat. So I mean, if in in that respect, if you make uh, combat so lethal that you don't want to do it, then you know maybe that kind of pushes people more towards trying to find a better way out of out of a tight spot.
1: Yeah. Or so, just um, more. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes players have a hard time wrapping around it, and as much as I, I've got lots of great memories of D and D, and I still, I mean, I would play it if anyone just wanted to play it. But it, the D and D bucket of hit points and combat system thing is just not very good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would definitely want to get away from something like that. But I think the Star Wars role playing game has a better system um we played the uh the lord of the rings game and that had a pretty good combat system we played call of cthulhu which is also obviously pretty deadly and then you've got insanity go with it as well but i don't know i just i was curious to see what you guys thought if if you've run into this situation before where you're just can't decide what to do you want to get some rpg going but you're sort of lost like i am Mm -hmm. right now
2: um well, and then there's, you know, Savage Worlds. I don't know. Have you ever played any Savage, savage Worlds before? I,
1: I've never played it. I've, I've had it recommended to me, but I've okay. never played it.
2: So being kind of setting agnostic, you can kind of scale it for whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and that is more kind of a narrative style of, of play. Um, well, I don't know. It's the, the yeah, I'm. I have to confess I haven't played a whole lot of Savage Worlds. But I've, you know, it kind of looks to me like it's more kind of a very fast and light kind of um, combat system.
1: Okay. Yeah, so. I've, I've heard that one recommended. And Savage World is that the same as like Apocalypse World, and I think there's a Dungeon World too.
0: I that I'm not sure about.
1: I think no, those. Uh,
0: no. No, 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 like uh, Savage Worlds is is like its own thing. With it, it's its own system, and they've actually converted it over. To some other things, like you can get like Savage World riffs, for instance, because people like that better because it's easier to play than actual riffs. You know, it, it's that kind of thing.
2: And, well, so in, in that respect, if you make uh, combat quick and easy, that allows more room for role play. And, uh, you know, so if you're. And sometimes I get really bored at the beginning or at the end of uh, combat that, like, come on, I. He's still got three hit points left. Can we just kind of hand wave <laughs> this and call it
1: done? Yeah. yeah, and I've done that many times as a, a game master. There's another system I've got the book for, uh, but honestly, I don't think I'll ever play it, is Burning Wheel. And in Burning Wheel, almost every combat is just one roll. Unless it's like the big boss at the final adventure, then it gets more detailed. But most combats in that one are just one roll.
0: Mm. Yeah, now see, I, I you're asking for like okay, well, what are the mechanics in this and blah blah blah. You know, I, that that sucks for me because I'm like, oh, I never play these. I, but I will just toss some out there that I that have I've kind of been interested in, that I would sort of like to try maybe on like a roll twenty thing. The first one is the index card RPG. I like everything about it. I like the artwork style that they do it and like if you get like the I recently bought like the PDF on drive and, you know, so you can print these out and it comes with all these little standups that, you know, you can play with if you want. Uh, they update the PDF whenever they update, you know, the rule book. I mean, you can get a hard rule book of it. Um, but, yeah, there's that. And uh, I just really think it's neat. Delta Green is another one uh, that sounds really cool, at least kind of like the lore behind it. It's kind of an it's army.
1: Cthulhu lives Vietnam, right?
0: Uh, well, there is one of those as well, but they've kind of expanded it out into like other stuff. Cause I oh, think okay. like, the main, the main spot is like a military base, like outside of, uh, you know, whatever, uh, somewhere in mass Salem, like Salem, Massachusetts or whatever. Something like it started like in 1928, there was a raid on Innsmouth Mount Massachusetts. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of different stuff. It's, I think it goes from like back then to like modern i just i i really wanted to pick a bunch of it up and i kind of hope they would eventually be like a bundle deal that i could get bundle of holding or something but uh that one sounds really neat and um the other one that i would want to play is well we're fixing to get into an expansion for that and that's um from Evil Hat uh, Productions, you know, they're the people that do Fate. Uh, there is um, Blades in the Dark. And uh, what we're about to talk about is Band of Blades. But, uh, is their their new expansion. But uh, they do Blades in the Dark, which is, like, really cool, I think. Uh, it, at least it's, it's part of their Forged in the Dark series. Blades in the Dark is the... Um, the fantasy setting and like scum and villainy is the sci-fi setting. It's supposed to be kind of like, a, Oh yeah. Uh, I've
1: heard firefight. of scum and villainy. Sure. Yeah.
0: It was really popular, like game of the year or whatever, like last year or whatever. But yeah, all blades in the dark is, is, um, it's, you're pretty much on a heist kind of thing. And, uh, that's kind of like how it goes. I just really dig the idea of it. I like it, you know, and it's like, you know, you're not, nice people you know and it's um it has this mechanic in it is called um it, it has something to do like where you come up with fiction for your guy it's like you uh i can't think of like what they it. it's like flashback or something like that and so like if you run into a thing it's like okay well there's a trapped clock here that we have to get past and you if richard you're like well i have a key for it you have to then tell me the game master the story of how you got that key before the game started (laughs) and then i rolled if i like your story enough you know we roll to see if it works or if like no that was terrible you 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 picked up the wrong key so (laughs) i just i just kind of think of that and i that's as little as i know about uh the mechanics of it i love the art and the presentation I picked up the book in the shop and I'm like, this book just feels good. It's nice. It's smooth. It's, you know, flipping through it. I love the art direction on this. So that's why I ended up picking it up. But there is the the news story that we had concerning this was Band of Blades. And this uh, they're bringing that kind of narrative into you're a group of soldiers at war. And I was what it reminded me of is, have any of you guys read the Malazan Book of the Fallen?
1: <laughs> so I have read the first one. It took me probably three or four times to get through it. And even at the end of it, I don't know what I read. I I don't consider myself to be a stupid man, but I just did not get that book.
0: Everybody says that, I noticed, <laughs> when, I, when I looked it up. Because I just finished listening to the first book. And I had it. All the way to the end, and like sometime yeah. tonight or tomorrow, I'll post on the the subreddit and go. Okay, guys, I'm a little confused by like what all was going on, like in the last yeah. ten pages. Can can we talk about that for a little bit? So, you know,
1: there were parts of that book that I loved more than anything I've ever loved in any books. I loved the power of the magic in the books. You know, when you've got like that one scene where there's like a floating mountain city and it's surrounded by wizards just assailing this thing with magic that was amazing um but the whole stuff in the background with the gods fighting with each other i honestly don't know what was going on yeah because there's like (laughs)
0: there's so many of them yeah there you know there's there's a lot it's not they have a giant pantheon of gods you know, they're all this, that, and the other, you know, some of them are dead, but they weren't dead, they came back, and, you know, right. and some of them got killed. And the one and,
1: girl yes. was possessed by a god the whole time, but I don't really know who was fighting who and why. She got better. Yeah. <laughs> she, got be- she got better. I got better. So, yes. But anyway. Fascinating book, but I have no desire to continue reading this series. <laughs>
0: But uh, this this is what it reminds me of. Like it kind of sounds like you know you've got this little group of you've got five different specialists that you can you know be from like a rookie to you know all this different a legionnaire or whatever and different things you could be a human powered by the with the power of the gods or just some other stuff you can um you can advance through the army it reminded me a lot of like the bridge burners in there where you're just yeah. like this group of like you know kind of badass dudes Those
1: guys were cool. Uh
0: you know on a mission yeah. plus they have, I love the names in there whiskey jack oh, yeah. tatter <laughs> tattersail you yeah. know all all this kind of thing um so yeah it was this what it reminds me of i think this will be like a really cool thing and when it was announced on Twitter, I was like, "Hey, this sounds cool. It reminds me of Malzahn Book, of The Fallen. I'd love to give away a copy." Crickets. But we'll, <laughs> anyway, we'll talk. We'll talk about that, you know, in, yeah. in a minute. Anyway,
1: some of these so, systems, yeah. like especially the ones, the the ones we were just talking about, where it was not a not a system but a setting. When the setting is that detailed, you really need one person. You need your GM to just know it like the back of his hand, and everyone else can just participate. So, if you've got that, it works really well. But if you don't, it can it can be problematic.
0: Look, I, I tell you a thing I would love to like launch, and this, this would launch our um our uh, what you call it uh Patreon uh would be let's do an actual play uh podcast. But, we, you know, we'd have to have a hook or something to make it a different. A yep. different. And my, my thing is, like, do it in, like, it's like a 61-minute podcast timed. That's what I would do. It's like you, we do the session, you have, like, literally, it's like 30 seconds for an intro and 30 seconds for an outro, and then, boom, you know, clock's running. through <laughs> do it. And then it's like, okay, Roy, you're rolling for the dragon. Uh, time! And that's it. Credits roll. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love to do it like that, you know, so it's short, quick, to the point yeah. and all that. but. You could know, do it as, need, like,
1: a, to... some sort of escape one-shot or something where the clock is li- literally ticking.
0: We need to find somebody to, to, like, run it for us, like, over, like, uh, Roll20. You know, I, I'd record it all and be like, okay, you know, Episodes 1 is up for Patreon people who are none. So if you'd like to get in, is for this. And then, you know, once it's all done, we release the season, quote-unquote, all at once. And, yeah, I don't know. It's an idea. Plus, it lets us hang out another night out of the week. So. I'd be down for doing actual play stuff. We could do it. I think, I think that would be really cool. We
1: could do a one shot uh, in Florida.
0: We could. What do we want to play? We Wait, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll to, we're <laughs> almost right. to that section. Okay. We're almost to that section. All right. So, I think we're on. Okay. All right. So, uh, I guess we're ready. I, I This ran across my radar last night was the. Players Aid, 12 Most Anticipated War Games of 2019, and I just, yeah, I kind of wanted to bend your ear, Richard, and see what you thought. Yeah, there's
1: a couple on the list that I haven't actually heard of. Like, the first one on the list is Apache Wars game. Um, that one looks interesting. It's a compass game, so I'm sure it has a, a nice map, um, but I haven't heard anything about that game at all. Some of these. Once ha-
0: we moved like the yeah. wind, the Apache Wars, eighteen sixty one to eighteen sixty
1: six. Yeah. So that's number twelve. Number eleven, I've heard of front toward enemy from MMP. Um,
0: I have not. What kind? It's it's Vietnam. Vietnam but what,
1: tactical. Yeah.
0: What what scale is tactical?
1: Uh, so it's basically ASL scale. Um, if you look at it's, I think it's fifty yards in hex, and I think ASL is forty yards a hex. So it's basically ASL in Vietnam. And it's made by oh, MMP, so... Um,
0: that sounds really good. Yeah,
1: it does sound very good, very interesting. Um, Successors of Alexander, I think that one is a reprint of an older game that I've heard good things about. Um, and that's definitely one that I would love to play if someone picks up. Uh, number nine is Crowbar. We've talked about that one before. We talked about yep. that a few months ago when it was uh, announced.
0: Kick, kickstarted, yeah. yeah.
1: Did you kickstart that one?
0: No no. no, no, I did not. Right. But um, oh crap! That reminds me. The um, when does that Kickstarter end for the one you wanted me to back?
1: Uh, I don't know. I we'll have to check. The uh, co- was it not Conflict of Heroes? But
0: yeah, yeah, it was Conflict. Was it Conflict of no, Heroes? No no, 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 no. It's the it's the real time stri- strategy company of.
1: <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: company an RTS. Of Company
1: of Heroes. Company of and Heroes. It's got sixty three okay. hours to go. And it has made $642,000 already.
0: Wow. I, I did notice a sort of local guy, a guy I'm friends with, did ended up backing it. So I'm like, yeah. well, maybe I could do this. Or, you know.
1: Yeah. It certainly looks interesting. It, it doesn't look like they're going for historical realism by any means. Um, but it looks fun. So obviously that's fun is fun is OK, I guess.
0: I like the figures and stuff yeah. for it and I think I think the cheapest you can get you get a two player core set for sixty five dollars. Yeah,
1: that's not bad. No. I mean that's cheaper than a lot of other starter you know, if you look at like Star Wars Legion starter set or Game of Thrones starter set, any of the you know, the big minis games, the starter sets are usually eighty, ninety bucks, so
0: Oh yeah, I'll actually get a chance to observe a game of Game of Thrones, uh, the miniature game, at Dice TowerCon. So I'm looking forward. Yeah,
1: I'd like to. I'd like to see that too. You know, I see there's
0: there's a copy in the game library.
1: Okay, cool.
2: I will add that to the list. All right.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So back
0: number eight, yeah, Gandhi, Gandhi, and and that is already came out. Yeah,
1: that one is actually sitting on my shelf right here. I just got it a couple days ago. I haven't played it yet, but I'm just looking over the rule book uh i'm a big coin fan interceptor ace um i've heard good things about this series these uh i think there's like night fighter ace and there's a few games in this ace series um i've heard they're good but i haven't played any of them and doesn't really look like my thing so i haven't paid a lot of attention to them
0: no the 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 bits and all yeah it just doesn't seem like it's my thing (coughs) msrp 75 bucks
1: yeah, and this, those are oh. those are solitaire games, I think, if they're the ones I'm thinking of. So they've, they're a big following in the solitaire community. Um, number six, speaking of solitaire games, Castle Eider. So I have Pavlov's House, and I love it. It's one of my favorite solitaire games. But looking at everything I've seen of Castle Eider, it looks like a reskin of Pavlov's House, so I don't know why I would get it. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it looks like just a reskin of Pavlov's House, so... It's probably really good, but I'm not really interested because, you know, it seems like the same thing. It
0: sounds really weird. You know, it, that's what it's supposed it's, to be. It's it's like a, the it was a
1: weird thing that happened. Sure.
0: It was uh, U.S. soldiers joined forces with Wehrmacht infantrymen, an SS officer. Well, what kind in of Aust- infantrymen? In Aust- Wehrmacht?
1: We Wehrmacht? Sure.
0: Wehrmacht? Oh, Wehrmacht. Wehrmacht.
1: Okay. Wehrmacht. Yeah, it's a German um, arm. Yeah
0: an Austrian resistance fighter and recently freed French prisoners of war to defend the castle against an attacking force from the 17th SS Panzer Grenadier Division yeah. so
1: so i actually would like to i and i don't know i'm sure there's a book written on this i'd i'd like to read the book but i'm not interested in the game so okay and then number 5 OST you were just talking about that
0: yeah this is uh there this is the pacific and i'm like No, call me, like, when you add, like, the Brits and (laughs) and stuff like that. I mean, I get why he's doing it, why this is next, you know, but, yeah. See, I don't care about um, OST, um, the Ardeen's campaign. I don't care about that either. I'm like, Americans? Eh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about Americans.
0: But I understand why does, you know, because so many people are like, yay, America, man, you know. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So what do you but, like? Yeah. you like
1: North Africa? Do you like Market guards? Yes, I do. Um, is I like uh,
0: Eastern Front, uh, North Africa. I'm, I'm kind of getting I, I get into the uh, Mediterranean. I like North Africa because it's such a weird mix. Yeah. Pretty much everybody's there except Russia, I think.
1: As far but as i yes, know I, as far yeah as, as far as
0: i know you know somebody's screaming at their ipod now no you forgot about the ivan you know okay whatever but uh i like that and i like super early war I like invasion of poland invasion of france and uh super late war invasion of Ber- uh you know berlin yeah.
1: basically i don't know any that's, good that's games berlin. on the fall of berlin but i think I think that would be interesting and fun to play. The only problem would be I don't know how you would gamify it because at that point the Germans were not really resisting at all and the Russians were just, you know, bombing and raping everything in sight. So I don't know how you would gamify it, but it seems like it'd be interesting. Yeah. So number four on the list is All Bridges Burning, another next coin game. I've got this one already P500ed. And this is this is one I'm really looking forward to. This is the first three player coin game. And it's the uh, the the Russian Finnish war 1917 to 1918.
0: So are coin games like traditionally two players?
1: No, most of them are four. There is Uh, there is one two player game. That's the uh, the French Algerian war. And this is the first three player one. Okay. So I'm interested to see how this one will play. Um, you know, just because it's three player, and I want to see how the mechanic works. Versailles 1919. Uh, that's another one I'm looking forward to. Um, just because yeah. I think it's a. Well, I, I think I I'm not going to buy this one, but I have I'm sure they're going to have friends that are going to have it, and I'm interested to see how it works. I like th- the idea of war games that are not so much about the war, and I think this one could be interesting. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, point Blank from Lock and Load, I don't know anything about that one, except that it's by Lock and Load. It
0: says it's supposed to be similar to Upfront, so...
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Guys ever, There's so
1: so there are many, so many tactical World War II games, it's hard to keep track of all of them.
0: Did I ever tell you about the time, sort of recently, like within the past year or so, that I woke up one day and i decided to hop on the internet and say something about like hey you know they should um re- republish that upfront game that was so cool maybe kickstart it
1: yeah and did they
0: and well uh, come to find out my this is my ignorant self doing it saying that and um come to find out there is a massive kerfluffle. Somebody did kickstart uh, the Upfront, a uh, reprint of the Upfront game, and just as soon as it was like about to ship out or something, or just as soon as it ended and made a ton of money, uh, somebody else sued him, saying, no, I own the rights to Upfront. They successfully sued him. So a lot of people got taken in that. and So basically, all your money's gone, and there's no Upfront.
1: That has happened not necessarily with Kickstarter, but I can think of a couple times recently where there's been you know licensing problems. Uh there was the what was it? There was a, a train game, I think, or something that no one knew who had the licensing for. Then there was that, that Kickstarter a couple months ago with the, the Game of Thrones stuff where the guy said, If you if you back this, I'm gonna try to get the licensing. <laughs> First
0: thing I need I need six figures yeah. in order to, to find to find out who actually owns it. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. And then number one, according to the player's aid, the most anticipated game is Stalingrad 42, which is high on my list. Um, It's it's part of the the Mark Semenich Zokban series. I've been talking about Arden 44, which I've been playing a lot. Holland 44, uh, you know, Normandy 44. uh, I think there's a Ukraine 43 and a France 40 also. Um, but this one, Stalingrad '42, I am very interested in, and this one will be a a quick purchase for me.
0: So am I, because I'm actually kind of wanted to like up my game from um, just squad base level stuff to kind of what is the next level up? What is this like divisional level? This is or...
1: division level, yeah. So there's the three broad categories are tactical, operational, and strategic. But those are broad categories, and this – this I don't know that this is quite operational, but I guess it's closer to operational than tactical for sure. So
0: so uh, I, d- I wanted to hop on and see if I could – hop on the internet and see if I could find a used copy of France 40. Yeah. But um, there's one particular Facebook group that's really good for selling um, war games, and I cannot remember it. And I'm part of too many fucking groups to remember. So. Is
1: there's – the Consim Marketplace one that Joel Toppin runs—that one's pretty good.
0: Oh, that's yeah. it. I'm almost positive that's it. That's the whole reason why I couldn't find it because I was googling, I was going Part- through looking for like uh, war games, yeah. war gamers. He had to, no,
1: he had to that's rename that's- it and change some of the settings because mm, probably about two months ago, and I don't know the details, but he got into some sort of trouble with Facebook, probably because someone complained and said these people are promoting killing or. Whatever. So he had to he had to rename it and change some of the settings. It might be private now, but um, if if you send a if you send a message to Joel Toppin, he'll probably give you the details.
0: Yeah, I've got it. I'm a member okay. of it. I just like I said, I belonged to way too many groups and I could not remember like which one that was. And so yeah, there you go. Anyway. So <laughs> uh, moving on, the next thing we had was oh yeah, Warlord Games is got into the uh, skirmish miniature skirmish game market Uh, for the longest time all we had was Saga and that's Dark Age skirmish and um, recently there's been uh, the other one from Footsore Miniatures which is um, I can't think of the name of it but it's Ancient Greece we talked about a good bit yeah I remember talking about it Warlord is like you know what we make a ton of these plastics and all we got to do is like bang out some rules and we can have this just boom done and they're doing spqr you you have war bands from a number of civilizations that fought for dominance in and around ancient mediterranean uh around the ancient mediterranean including warriors from rome or one of the greek city states so yeah So this is like the new thing. Uh, I'm kind of interested. I do have some Plastic Romans and uh, picks and some other stuff. So maybe? Because I can't use those in Saga. And the only thing I don't like about Saga is what everybody likes about Saga. And that's their stupid dice mechanic. You roll special dice before each turn that have special symbols on them, which it's really annoying, because these things cost special, do- special <laughs> dollars to buy. Um, and you can do crap in, in the actual turn. Like, this allows me to attack twice, or this allows me to re-roll, or, you know, whatever. So I don't like that. It's too, too gamey. I, just, I, I don't like it. I just want to be able to just move around, and, okay, we're in combat. Well, let me roll my D6 and just go from there. So this kind of thing interests me, plus I can use the Romans I have, and I cannot use them in Saga because the time period is wrong. The uh, The time period for Saga is basically the Crusades, uh, they do Crusades, <laughs> Dar- just Dark Ages just in general, and just Europe, basically. Are
1: you, are you guys fans so, of Dan Carlin?
0: Yes. yes Did you absolutely.
1: hear his latest podcast about wargaming?
2: Is that from the uh, no. the addendum?
1: Would, yes, his last addendum podcast. It came out less than a month ago, but it's pretty interesting. And he, Basically, he's talking about the strength of armies over the course of history and how if you were going to play a war game with a World War II war army and a World War I army, the World War II army would just blow them off the map. But contrary to that, you could put in for the rest of his podcast, his theoretical combat that he put up against was Caesar's army against uh, uh, William, the Conqueror's army. And those guys are separated by a thousand years. But he talked about a theoretical battle between their armies and how it would go. So just make me think of that. Very interesting. podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen people tweet about it, and I am so far behind. I, I listened to that stupid Malazan Book of the Fallen.
3: <laughs> that's what. I, that's what I.
0: That's taken up like all my uh, commuting time for like the past month and a half. So I'm way behind on um, podcasts. So yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, that's that one's on my list to do. Uh, the next thing we had was Clash of Spears which is somebody else. This is somebody else getting into that whole uh, gimmick. I found this in researching my Ancients uh, rule set thing. And uh, this was released around April 9th. And I am not sure the company that did it. It looks to be almost privately published. And they say stuff like it's a pure war game. We seek to provide tactical depth through troop characteristics and specialization uh, we wanted mechanics to provide interesting tactical options, but they had to be anchored on small actions. They wanted it to be gritty and personal with a flexible system. I mean, it all sounds great, yay. But um, And the book is put together with some really nice artwork. This basically kind of looks like a historical version of uh, Age of Sigmar. Kind of that scale. Large-scale skirmish, I would say. Or it could be more along the lines of, of a large game of Saga. It, you know, they it look to be about, I said this is a 600-point, and you can see this in the show notes, 600-point mid-Republican Army for this. Let's see, has 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, about 40, 50 guys r- roughly on there. So, I mean, it looks nice. And I just, yeah, I don't know where do I get it from, how much is it, and uh, it doesn't say, or does it, no, there's some after action reports, blah, 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 there's a Facebook group, so there you go. Um, yeah, it's, everybody's jumping into this, I guess in today's age of Kickstarter and whatever, it's really easy to like get your games published, I feel like, you know, you can just get whatever out there and all this fun stuff and... Because, like, I'm, I'm, I am I've, used to complain that, you know, I want a sci-fi skirmish game, and now there's, like, two of those come out every month, it seems like, and now, yeah, it's just too much. Anyway. And
2: it's tough and, for any of them to big, get traction.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely true. It's like you, somebody would have to, like, take it and go, no, dudes, this is cool. Look at this over here. Let's yeah. all play this.
1: So, like you said earlier uh, when you were just talking about getting into Ancients, I mean, the best game is the one that someone's going to play with you. So, hmm. that's true. And
0: see, you may not even be able to get into Ancients. Yeah. I, I know I've been there in my life where it's like, hey, I can't play anything else because people are just playing 40K. So, I guess I'll play 40K. And that's how I lived my life for several years. It's like I reluctantly played just so I could actually play something. Mm-hmm. Although, at least now, you know, we have Vassal and, uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Tabletop Simulator. Which I don't understand why people more people don't jump on that. It is a million times better looking than Vassal, so yeah, I don't know. May and people seem to say, "Yay, it, it works pretty good. It has a really nice interface and all this stuff." And
1: yeah, I, don't know. I used to play X Wing with my dog on Top Simulator, um, and even though I mean sometimes we would take our laps- we sit right next to each other and play on tabletop simulator because you know on x-wing you tell it what you want it to do and it moves the ship for you and it calculates all the things for you and everything so it takes away a lot of the uh you know the fiddliness and x-wing is not a very fiddly game but um it was nice it was fun
0: wow i did not know we yeah. did that Hmm, i may get on there then
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: play some look look for games where well, I could test out lists and stuff.
1: Actually, if you want to just test out lists, uh, look for a program called Fly Casual. Uh, it's on GitHub, and you can it, just type in Fly Casual. It gets posted on Reddit. Um, but it's, it's single player only. You just play against the AI. But if all you want to do is try out lists, that is the absolute best way to do it. Hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, and. The next thing we had is, ugh, yet another um, (laughs) skirmish game Conan Savage Legends, an arena style combat miniature game. I guess this is kind of like what we're getting into instead of, because there's such a glut in like skirmish games, now they're starting to do these arena style games where it's like, okay, we'll, it's a very small play area and there'll be like three or four of us and we'll just kind of like bash each other and and go.
1: It's fun though. I mean, those games tend to be fun. They, I don't, they don't have a lot of depth. Games I've seen that are kind of like that, like Rising Sun and uh, what's the Blood Rage. You know, those games are fun to play, but yeah. they don't. Ha- I, in my opinion, they don't have a lot of staying power. So, but maybe you're a Conan fan, and this one will flip your switch.
0: Yeah, it could be. I wonder. You know, I'm honestly surprised that Conan isn't like. Um... What's the, what's the term where it's not copyrighted anymore? It's um, um, public you know, domain. Yeah, public domain. Yeah, because I mean he he came from like the what like the twenties, the thirties. Yeah, maybe the 50s? And I've
1: never I've know. never read the books, but from what I've heard, Conan in the books is very different from Arnold Schwarzenegger. But in all the games, you know, because Schwarzenegger is such a huge guy, he's always seen as this huge rip muscular guy but in the books he was more stealthy and roguelike that's just what i've heard yeah
0: because he he was a thief you know he's where instead of conan the barbarian he was conan the thief you know back then but yeah okay i don't know there's
2: a podcast called imaginary worlds that had a few episodes maybe just one episode about conan and the writer of conan and all the um like how he developed the story and he said some of the a lot of the books are are told in flashback Conan is an old man, kind of regaling his uh, uh, his past.
0: You said it's imaginary worlds. It's just... Yep,
2: imaginary worlds.
0: Yeah, I see. That. There's
1: another one to put it on the list.
0: <laughs> pod... Yeah, I know.
1: Well, I know I know that I'm yeah. going to be doing a lot of driving in about a week, so we'll have plenty of time to catch up on podcasts. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, that is true. That is true, yeah. And if it wasn't, you could have swung by and picked me up, too, if, uh, if I wasn't already leaving. I'm, I'm, I'll end up leaving Friday, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. Right now, somebody tell me about Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures. Hey,
2: that's me. <laughs> uh, it's, once again, we take uh, quite the turn from arena-style combat <laughs> to Toy Story.
0: But we don't have to. Maybe uh, Buzz and Woody finally settle things. <laughs> for realsies.
2: So, um, you know, actually, I just saw Toy Story 4 this afternoon. And uh, I, I do recommend it, so no spoilers, but uh, it, w- it was a good, good watch. And they, I okay. actually watched a little YouTube video about how um, the, the animation from 25 years ago has, uh, has developed. And in this particular um, installment, there's a cat, and the cat is, looks like a, an actual animal. Um, so look for the cat in toy story 4 okay so uh toy story obstacles and adventures is a new game that's i was surprised it's coming out uh late in july and it's based on the uh hogwarts battle uh co-op card game same same kind of mechanics where you have each character has a deck of cards that they play and as the turn goes around there's um there's villains that you're attacking and defeating in order to, once you go through all the villain deck, then you've won. Is how the Hogwarts game works. Um, so Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures is going to be a six-card or six-deck box that will go through the various films and um, the shorts and everything. So I just happen to see this, that this is going to be coming out. It's cool. Yeah.
0: I, I'm, I am very surprised that, they, that, that that is not the IP I expected to show up there.
2: And so as far as the release date um there's nothing official but some one of the uh threads said um you, let's see July 26 in the UK and that's that's maybe maybe not we're not sure Oh, so, all right more more information as we go on
0: and you've been playing Dark Sun planning on Dark yep. Sun Yep so uh
2: I'm going to be playing in the Dark Sun setting. It was kind of a surprise that was sprung on us the last time we played this particular storyline. Which uh,
1: edition we'll, are you playing?
2: I think this is a fi- uh, fifth edition, like an unofficial port.
1: Unaf- okay, yeah. got it. Dark uh, Sun is my all-time favorite D&D setting, by the way. I mine too,
2: it. yes. Yeah. So but, we, uh, but I
1: didn't know that there was anything official for fifth edition, which is why I was asking.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, so we we went through the magic portal and we came out in a desert. And I have a character that's a sorcerer, and every spell that he oh. casts, everything turns to ash.
1: Uh, do you so, have any halflings in your party? <laughs> uh,
2: let's see, we have we have a gnome.
1: Oh, that's close enough.
2: So, um,
1: Adam, I don't know if you know anything about Dark Sun, but in Dark Sun, halflings are cannibals. Really, yeah, you got to stay away from them. And in Dark Sun, basically, the whole planet the world has been basically destroyed by magic. So there are a few sorcerer kings that sort of rule the big cities and they sort of hold on to the magic and the power that they have. But even they have to be very judicious with their use of it because every time you cast a spell, it damages the world. So i me correct if I'm wrong, boy, but magic is highly illegal. But Uh, the sorcerer kings obviously can do magic.
2: Well, so the other part of this is that the character that I have that's a sorcerer is a kobold that's evil.
1: <laughs> that's even
3: so,
2: better. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm hoping that we're gonna that I can kind of um, uh, rule the roost there. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and the the world is super dangerous, and environments are terrible, and it's 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 a deadly quest just to go from one city to another. So it's a fun fun setting. I love it. Mm-hmm. Me too.
0: All right, uh, we've made it to our dice tower section here. want to make sure, okay, yeah, I haven't yeah missed the giveaway yet that's on down there <laughs> uh so uh wow, yeah, the dice tower it's it's coming up. I actually will leave uh I think Friday of um this week and uh and head on over there and um I ended up, let's see, um, I'm playing Root and then Meltwater on Wednesday. Friday, I'm playing Heroes of Black Reach. Uh, Saturday, Federation Commander. And uh, that's that's what I have booked. So basically just one thing a day is all I have booked. So, And I have that...
2: Oh, oh right. I was going to say, in the, in the big game room, they have it's maybe a dozen tables that have dedicated games at them. So uh, Root is going to be available there, um, but it's just kind of first come first serve. So um, you have to be lucky to you know, show up at the right time and, and get in the game. So yeah, Root is going to be one of those hot games. And so basically the, the new hotness, um, probably Scythe um, will be available there too.
1: Wingspan, I'm sure, if it's available. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. Uh. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be um in one of the hot games and supposed to be able to do it. I oh dad gummit, you know what I meant to do? Have you guys seen the uh the new um Popeyes promo, the thing they're doing for some football thing?
1: No. no. I but I never watched there, commercials, so
0: uh, I just saw it on Twitter or something. It's called the Wingspan Box Oh. and I meant I meant to message uh Jamie Stegmeier. <laughs> Uh, oh yes, Popeyes released his chicken box in honor of Zion Williamson's wingspan. I, I don't know what that means, uh, but I wanted to message him and say, ah, you know, I, I see your, you guys, you partnered with Popeyes Chicken. You know, how did that happen? You know, how did that work? Do I actually do? You, it's it's seventy five dollars, so I get you know this thing of chicken and a copy of Wingspan, or how does that work? Yeah, I just wanted to see it. See if we had if there was like an onion for like board games that this would be an article that basically writes itself, <laughs> you know. So, so but
2: uh yeah. Um, I've I've listed some games that while well, we've talked about a few of these games, um, Axis and Allies and Zombies. Are you guys down for playing that?
1: <laughs> I'll give it a go.
2: So they, they do have various Axis and Allies games available. So I'd be interested in playing some of that too. Um,
0: have you ever played Have you ever played? Yes,
2: any? back in college.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, that was like my my first my first real quote unquote board game. You know, it's like when you finally get get away from risk, you know, it's like, oh, wow, there's this new version. It's called a uh, risk. It's like risk. It's called Axis and Allies. And uh, what, what else have we talked about a lot on the show that we oh, yeah, we, we sh- all three of us should play Root for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Yeah, and I'll bring that. OK, so the three cool. of us can play it and my daughter can be the fourth. I'll bring that for sure.
0: Okay. Um I own Captain Sonar.
1: Okay. And yeah. it's,
0: it's like a a minimum like what four player game Yeah, yep. but
1: you really need 8 for that one. But you know, did you know I don't own it, but there's a I, I don't know if it's called Captain Sonar Junior or something like that where it's a it's a four player version of Captain Sonar.
0: Oh. You're you're in a bathtub yeah. instead of the
1: ocean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything I've listed there will be available in the in the library. Plus, you know, 2,700 other games, too.
0: Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, I could bring this guilty land, but, I mean, again, I don't know how to play this. So, you know, I, it, it, I'm relying on somebody else to do it. Um, Game.
1: the rulebook's probably like eight pages.
0: Well, I mean, this is just how I do. Is, <laughs> I don't know. This is what I do. I don't know how to play things. I play dumb, and somebody shows me how to play it. And uh, witches of the revolution. That's another one that we talked about. Oh, yeah. That I I have it, but again, don't know how to play it. I'm good,
1: so. I'll bring brave little Belgium.
0: Okay. Oh yes, yes, please yeah, do, please I do. I, I definitely want to play that. Um, I tell you, I own uh tiny epic zombies, and both of you guys know how to play it, right?
1: I have I've never of played tiny that epic one. Games. I played, I played a couple. I played tiny epics galaxies or something and one
0: other okay okay uh, yeah my bad I thought you guys like, like knew that one because I was gonna say eh, I can bring that uh, oh yeah I'm also going I think I've, I'm playing U-Boot at some point
1: the yeah, new oh, one
0: big. yeah okay. yeah somebody yeah I signed up for that I actually I don't have that on my schedule I need to put that on there Oh, and I want to see a demo of Red Alert Space Fleet Warfare, which is Command and Colors right.
1: in space. That's the one I was talking about before They couldn't remember the name of.
0: And I have a copy of that sitting right behind me as I talk about this that we will give away at Dice Tower Con because Richard Bergborg will be there.
2: Oh, all right. Nice. Yeah.
0: I, look, I, nothing would make me happier if to do a Between Two Ferns-style interview with him where I, every question is me asking one Richard (laughs) Berg. Like, you know, so when you design this, whatever, Richard Berg game, you know, and just, you know, let him just deadpan, just, first he corrects me, and then he stops, and then just starts trying to answer it, that would be his. You could
1: bring a Richard Berg game and ask him to sign it.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, That that would be another cool... uh, youtube video to put up if everything works correctly i've had i've been busy and other things and so i should be able to stream live um i mean i could do it with my phone if all those things but i actually built this rig with a camera and all this other stuff and uh hopefully at the end of each day we'll be able to do like a little show of being been like hey you know what did you guys think or i mean if it doesn't work out it could be well We'll do, what did you guys think of the past two days, or or whatever? You know, whatever you know, because like I'm planning on not even being there on the fourth. Um, my brother is going to like there's gonna be like a thing at some friends of his, and so I'm just gonna go hang out there like with my family and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. So, okay.
0: Oh, and uh, in the the list of um the the other dice tower thing i shared with you guys uh there is a list of of games at the end that i would gladly sell trade or give away so please tell me if you see something you want and i will bring it to you
2: okay is that on our uh our our drive our google
0: it's a, okay. yeah, it's, a, it's on the other the other Google Doc.
2: Okay.
0: I think titled like Dice Tower or whatever and so, Okay. Yeah. Oh, and the only other thing uh, I think at this point that I have bought since then uh, I bought a copy of Bomber Command, Richard. Oh yeah. Yep. Plenty um, yet. And uh No, no, no. I'll I'll pick it up at Dice Tower. Oh,
1: Dicetower okay. Cool.
0: It's as, as part of their uh their virtual flea market. I also got a copy of Deck Box Dungeons because I missed the Kickstarter and I kicked myself for doing that. And uh, a copy of Sword and Sorcery, which is a, um, what you call it, uh, dungeon crawler. So I'm picking up like three different dungeon crawlers there, so we'll see how things go. And, uh, yeah, so w- us, we, we just need to figure out like a night we all want to go out and eat, and you guys tell me what kind of food you want to eat, and I can tell you a place in which we can do that.
2: Okay. That's good
0: and like Roy I guess would be Ubering Ubering around or maybe we could pick him up I don't know or he could hitchhike or uh, maybe I think I'm getting transit. a rental I don't know ah okay fancy yep. I gotcha alright well so uh there we are we'll figure that out and uh yeah you follow it's it's the hashtag is dice tower con 2019 follow that on twitter and you'll be able to follow us like where i am you can enter in the contest and i figure we'll draw friday night or saturday morning ish for all the stuff we're giving away And we've mentioned it before. It's actually, I've got to think and put all the stuff down on the list because a lot of companies came back and was like, sure, like um, ILO Games, uh, Broken Token, you know, all these companies are giving us stuff to give away. So there you go. Oh, and speaking of giveaways, we have one for the last 100 yards thing. All right, uh, Richard, what is that website I can go to to randomize a number?
1: Random.org.
0: Random.org. All right, and uh, okay. So it's I can generate random number, minimum one, maximum of three. Right. So that's there's there are three people that have entered in this
1: contest. You, me, and Roy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so all right, we hit generate, and it is number two. Who is number two? Let's see. Click back over here in my box. And that is going to be David Waldorf.
1: Congratulations, David. David.
0: From Kalamazoo, Michigan. Roy, where the hell is Kalamazoo? I didn't even south of me. About an hour. I didn't even think that was like a real town. I thought it was like a Bugs Bunny thing. Don't they mention There's Kalamazoo
2: really... in uh, The Music Man?
0: Uh, They may okay. have, but that's, yeah, I'm not familiar with The Music Man. I, look, I just watched Bye Bye Birdie. This is where I'm at, so. um, So, okay, his favorite mythological cre- uh, creature. Let's see. Uh, golly, he, he talked a lot about it. A lot of these guys did, which I found funny. It was like, well, you know, what do you mean? In what context? And blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like, um... Da, 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 da. So we're we talking historic mythology. I don't have a favorite. I don't like dragons. Perhaps the Hedley Cow? Hedley K O W H. You know me. I can't pronounce anything. It's H-E-D-L-E-Y-K-O-W. Oh, wow. That thing is creepy looking. Hedley? Yeah, goop. goop. H-E-D-L-E-Y cow K-O-W Headley Cow it's from an English fairy tale that's a pretty creepy looking dude there David and let's see it is a fairly unremarkable shapeshifter from English fairy tale the reason I like it is because it's fun to say let's see if we can include bestiaries fictional war, worlds uh, I like Shalob from uh, Middle Earth Mash Shandar and Shadar Logoth from uh, Jordan's Wheel of Time. Ah, uh, do I know that one? It is a malicious though unintelligent entity that lurks within the depths of Shadar Logoth. Okay, formed in the Trolloc Wars. Okay, that's cool. Got gotcha. you. And it's hard. Not he it said it's not hardly a creature, it's more of an entity. And uh, there you go. So David Waldoff. So I'll uh, pass the word. Hopefully, I'll remember to email you. What would be great is if I didn't, and I just, I just say like, okay, we have a winner, but you have to listen to the podcast.
1: <laughs> See who it is. You're not going to tell them that they won.
0: That, no, I'm just saying that's that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just try to, I'll try to remember uh, to do that later. <laughs> All right. So, uh, moving on. This next get to news, and this is a really, really interesting article that I've talked with a lot of about, both online and in person with various people. Rob Zachney wrote this. Um, oh yeah, back in yeah on June nineteenth, and it is it's it is titled "Games Have Always Tried to Whitewash Nazis as Quote Just German Soldiers," and uh, "Badass" is not the same as "Bad." And uh, there was some interesting points kind of made in this. Did you guys read this article at all?
1: I. Uh- yeah, you know, let's talk about it, because it's interesting.
0: Okay, you're breaking up, Richard. I don't know what language you just spoke. <laughs> I, it was in robot. No, I just said I
1: haven't read it. It's, it's an interesting thing to talk about. Um, I think the whole thing to talk about the Germans in World War II, it's, there's a, there's there's sort of a, like you said, this article was saying, the, the whitewashing of what their army actually was, and then there's also this sort of elevation of the strength of their army at sometimes, too.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I I will say uh, what I kind of – what it reminded me of is more than anything, a lot of people kind of get into the quote-unquote badassness of things. Uh, like, you know, oh, man, the, the Germans were awesome and blah, 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 and they kind of forget, you know, about this, like, well, you know – Granted, not all of them were bad and complicit in atrocities, but most of them were, you know. And that's his argument in this here is like, you know, uh, people say, well, the Wehrmacht, the Wehrmacht, if you want Wehrmacht. to say Wehrmacht. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Wehrmacht was not, you know, co- complicit. And he's like, well, yes, they were. And he goes and lists all these different things. And it was like, everybody committed war crimes, you know, here. And it's like, they're... People seem to think, like, you know, the U.S. is innocent and this stuff, and that's just not true. <clears throat> I will say, it it all kind of came to a head for me, I think it was Flames of War 2nd Edition, whenever they released um, SS-specific armies, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? And I was like, I, I can't play these, you know? I mean, that's just me, I'm not saying they should not be played, I'm not saying you know you shouldn't play them or whatever, but it's not, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. You know, I I had an Africa Corps army at the time, or and I had a, um, a mid-war paratrooper German paratrooper, but I was like, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to do you know an SS force, and you know they gamified them. They were really good because they got the best training, they got the best equipment, and all this stuff. But yeah, you know they they kind of yeah. They're they're awful, and then you start to see merchandising for crying out loud, and um, it, this actually happens a lot in war gaming. You see, advanced squad leader, and he talks about this in the article, uses photographs of like German soldiers and stuff like that. It's like nine times out of ten, in World War Two games, they're showing a picture of a German soldier, German guy, you know, driving a tank or whatever on the cover. And, um, what I remember from Flames of War then was they released an SS 10 of dice with the, with the SS, you know, logo on it. And I'll, I'll link a picture of like what it looked like in the, uh, in the show notes. But I mean, they were doing them for a bunch of different ones. You know, you got like ones from famous, like, uh, the big red one, uh, the division and all this stuff. It was all famous like World War II stuff, but then you got like the SS dice, and uh, people said stuff about it. Like, you know, whoa, wait a minute, this is you're, this, you're taking it too far. Yeah, you're taking it too far now to do this. This kind of uh, this kind of glorifies it, and I mean, just in a quick Google uh, thing, you can buy um, SS. Uh, dice now for ASL from uh, Ritterkrieg or Ritterkrieg, whatever. Ritterkrieg, yeah. Yeah, you can buy those right now. You know? Yeah. And and, uh, and in the article, bit, bits,
1: they they showed the, the black counters for the SS2 and I always joke about that anytime I play any sort of World War Two game. Like, when we played Race for the Rhine uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, there was counters that go on and this, this is this army and this is that army and some of them were SS counters. They looked the same as all the other ones. They just had, you know, different... Uh, designation on them, but but I always joke and I say, well, that one's not an SS counter because it's not black. Because they all <laughs> there's they always have to like make the SS counters black, and they've got, you know, they they show this sheet of ASL SS counters.
0: Yeah, from Blitz and Pieces, uh, they have a Waffen SS dice pouch hmm. here that you you can buy for thirty eight dollars and thirty six cents plus shipping, and it's got the the lightning bolts on yeah. it. Like, man, I can't, I can't. I don't want to walk around with that shit, man. I, I don't want to go in the, the store. And just because I feel that way, it really kind of makes me think, you know, a little bit about like how we gamified this kind of things and how we kind of glorified it. I remember, uh, this is around when Flames of War was huge in like 2.0, people were, uh, they were selling like Africa Core shirts. And I'm like, I'm not going to wear that. But that what they did was they changed the, um, the swastika to like a, uh, a palm tree or something. Mm. It was from one of the other different divisions. It was not the overall Africa core logo, but it was similar enough. And they just said like, Hey, this is the, this is the logo. I'm like, I'm not going to wear that. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to wear that to a historical convention because I still have to stop and get gas somewhere. You know, I'm just, (laughs) no, this, this is just a little weird for me. It's just taking it too far. You're kind of glorifying that thing. And uh, I think uh, Mike, what's his name, the big guy that knows all about ancient societies, talked when well, he was talking about. It, he was like, "I wonder if people know that have the Molon Labe um, thing on the back of their truck realize that you know the Spartans were actually polygamist and pederast. You know, so it's yes, yeah, we just tend to glorify as like, oh wow, you know, they were good fighters, or we read a book, or we watched a movie." That did it. We don't actually know, like, you know, kind of the real stuff. But it was just a really interesting article, and I'll post it in the show notes and uh, just take a look at it. And uh, yeah, it just kind of really made me think. It made me remember a lot about, you know, the early days of Flames of War with all this kind of stuff trying to market this stuff. And apparently, there's a whole thing for it that is geared completely toward war gamers, not white supremacists just war gamers but you know it's who's gonna know the <laughs> difference
1: there's a little bit of an overlap there too so
0: there yeah sure i'm sure there is you know uh but yeah so know,
1: just... have you heard the the adage uh
2: tragedy plus time equals comedy yeah
0: yeah, yeah how many that.
2: generations do we have to go through before nazis become funny before
1: atrocity Hogan. becomes oh.
0: funny?
1: hogan's heroes yeah i mean <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, that's that that is very true with Hogan's Heroes, and because uh, you had to, you I wonder what people that were actually like in a in a prisoner of war camp were watching that show and going, I don't remember it being that happy, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's you had to think what they were really offended by it, but I don't know. That's a good. You know, direction. that is the that's reboot film
2: thought. that I really want to see.
0: I, I want to see the I
2: want to see the Hogan's Heroes film. <laughs>
0: It, okay, I'll tell you. There was another movie that came out called Autofocus, which is all about Bob Crane, and I had no uh, idea like he was this oh, whole he was a freak sex, sex weirdo. Yeah. You know, he was he was making his own pornography and stuff like that on like what they had back then. So he's like shooting it on film and splicing it and stuff like that. I Had no idea this this Hogan's Heroes dude was just so weird. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, oh yeah, and you, you've talked about when would it be funny uh, I think it was like two years ago South Park uh, decided to do an episode declaring uh, AIDS is now funny that enough time the whole episode was like, hey, enough time has passed now it's funny. You had characters all throughout the episode doing that running in and going, hey, we can joke about AIDS now really has it been <laughs> enough time? Yes And so yeah, huh. all right so there you go. Uh the next thing we had was uh the map has been unveiled <laughs> for the biggest ever historical tabletop war game at the University of Glasgow. And uh yeah, this thing is really cool. This is where they were fighting what is it, Waterloo?
1: Yeah, it's a Waterloo game. And th- th- uh-huh.
0: th- this has already happened. It was a, it was to aid a charity for military veterans and they used uh twenty two thousand twenty-eight millimeter figures. Uh I'm pretty sure yeah, it was like a one-to-one scale in a 28 millimeter. So every figure, you know, represented one guy that was on there. And yeah, so it was just, yeah, incredible. It took up like an entire church.
1: Yeah, we were <laughs> Floor to, joking to about that in my game group because we meet at a church, uh, a much smaller church than this. But we're just joking about how, you know, they, they got this game laid out in their church. We got this game laid out in our church. it's It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> So
2: I noticed the uh the the, the, the group picture there is, is 20% female. So there is
0: there is some
2: uh, some some double X chromosomes represented there. Surprise.
0: That's true. You don't yeah, you you don't see that very often. The uh, used to be that was like the rarest uh, of all was the uh the female historical mm-hmm. gamer. Like a unicorn. Well, but uh,
1: I have I have a wife and three daughters. And I'm creating from within the house. <laughs>
0: you got to start teaching them how to play ASL well so I tried
1: go. with the little one about a year ago when she that was kind of dumb so we're starting with Imperials out and working our way there.
0: <laughs> you're still breaking up pretty good by the way I wonder i wonder why it just it sounds very mod- modulated It's right. very strange. <laughs> I'm telling you, we we could do a GoFundMe for uh get you a, a Yeti Yeti microphone. I think they're um their mid level ones, just like fifty bucks. I think it would be funny to try and raise fifty dollars. Especially if we don't get it. Like we get to like forty five and we're like, Oh, sorry, Richard. I'll
1: just kick in the live. <laughs> uh
0: the next thing we had, uh two things that really interest me. Uh, BattleTech, the Clan Invasion is coming July 17. However, it's coming to Kickstarter. So when I first saw this announced on uh, Kickstarter, I'm uh, sorry on Twitter, I commented, "Why? Why are you kickstarting this? You you are too big enough, too big a company to ask me to prepay for this. This is this is wrong. You can either do a P500 system." Or, yeah, I, it's it just, yeah, I mean, you guys know, I talk about this all the time. But to me, it, it's just by a, what I imagine to be a quote-unquote major company doing a Kickstarter, that lets me know that you aren't good enough with money to be able to afford this. So you're having to ask me to prepay it. So if you're not good with money, why should I give you my money in the Kickstarter? I, I, I don't understand that logic. And see, when big companies do this thing, it, that's money, you back this instead of backing, you know, Roy's My Little Pony met game that he was going to kickstart, you know. It's like, well, I only had enough money for this, and I really like Battletech, so I'm not going to take a chance on this little indie guy. And so, yes, so Roy's kids go hungry, and that's terrible. So this this is bad. I, I don't like this. I, I don't like where this is going. I mean, finally, like, cool mini or not finally backed off of it. And they're like, look, we can only have so many million-dollar Kickstarters before people are like, you know what? You could probably afford this. But uh, I don't know. I don't you know I don't get it. It's nice that a box set's coming. And the clan invasion, that's when I really got into Battletech. I was kind of casually playing it for years beforehand. But I jumped in full full feet. With this, because my friends were like, we don't want to be the bad guys. And I'm like, well, I'll be the bad guys. I'll be the clans. And it was awesome, because their technology was so much better than everybody else's. Hey. They utterly slaughtered the Inner Spear in 35.
2: So I want to point out that this has the Marauder in it, the old-style sculpt. The, oh, yeah. well that, Because of, that, yep, that, uh, kind of that, that upset of the uh, lawsuit that had
0: happened yeah and you see we keep panning over i'm i'm not sure on the middle two, but on the right that's an archer that one also that one also comes from robo is that a wasp Um, that's in there too see they it should be smaller if it's to scale the the one on the uh the second from the right and you'll see this in the show notes i promise you it'll be there um That could be a wasp, but the scale's off if it is. It should be much shorter than that. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. That whole lawsuit that went nowhere, Mm -hmm. you know, for years dragged on over and over and over. And then finally, what was it turned out to be? It's like, oh, you don't actually have the rights to sue for Mm -hmm. it. So there you go. Wah, wah, wah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the clan mechs look cool, although doesn't look like, uh, it's a Command Star that does not come with a mad, yeah, that's a mad cat, they're a second from the left, so, yeah, that's kind of cool, so, yes, this second would be neat, from... and yay, and whatever, but. It doesn't have
2: the missile boxes.
0: Uh, missile boxes? Oh, oh, like the little LR carriers yeah. and stuff? Yeah, eh. In the actual game, that that is funny. Like in Skulls. the like the vi- if you play the video game and stuff like that, those things will kill you. But on the actual tabletop, they're not that oh. great. <laughs> All right. So and they're also like the redheaded stepchild. You know, nobody really cares about vehicles. You know, and even though I think combined arms is really really cool, they even have like rules for submarines in that game. Really?
2: Oh, <laughs> that there's watercraft. Yeah. I kind of remember that.
0: Yes there's certain there's like destroyers and there can be mechs like under the water and there's rules for all of this and you know it's just i mean it's not complex it's just detailed that's what i always say but yeah there's rules for all this stuff anyway in lighter news (laughs) wyvern 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 you got it right on the first first go wyvern doubted himself in in the wyvern a wyvern is a dragon that does not have two front legs, right?
2: It's like a little dragon, I thought.
0: See, I can't remember. I, of course, honestly, it depends on which system you're talking about or what video game it is. But, yeah, I always thought, like, the... It's always been the smaller dragon, but I always thought, like, they didn't have... Um, they just had two... They had wings and then uh, two legs and just a pair of legs, instead of the like the dragon which is four legs and a wings. Anyway. Why are in gaming enters Stargate. Stargate SG one is coming uh for uh, to be a role playing game. So yay, that's great. And uh do either of you guys watch the show, have watched the show?
1: Never seen
2: I I saw the movie. And I've seen a few episodes it's... of this series.
0: It's great, Uh, and it's really long. It's like uh, SG-1, I swear, is like 13 seasons and like three movies long, Mm -hmm. plus it has like two spinoffs that have five and three seasons, respectively. Uh, I love it. I love binge-watching it, you know, because I'll I'll skip what I don't like, which is like the first two seasons.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: In fact, if anybody wanted to start watching SG-1, I'm like, just start with season three and just go from there. That's what I always say. And, uh, yeah, I just love it. It's, I love the characters. It's well-written. And, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, these guys are going through the Stargate. It'll be a different land each time. You have a lot of different types of uh, characters you can play, different races and all that. So, yeah, this is going to be naturally perfect for a role-playing game, I think. So, it'll be cool. hmm So, the next thing is...
2: Oh, so you remember uh, Zack Sabbath. The, and it's I'm sorry that I have to go into this. There was uh, <laughs> the dude that was kind of a creeper that was uh, his...
1: The Gen Con last year?
2: No, this was uh, the... Let's see, what is it? The um, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, I think. It, oh, yeah. His oh, star. yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I remember that. So
2: there was a... He said, she said going on in between him and this woman that he was... Uh, with and she this, had abused
0: his ex girlfriend, yeah, right.
2: And so, okay. this is kind of apparently the next step is that he's turned around and sued her for uh defamation, yeah. So, I just was throwing yeah. out that 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 all that drama was still moving forward,
0: well, so. okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I almost forgot about this, but yeah, it's uh, he's suing her over it's so weird to read this phrase, and that phrase is. I had one of my lawyers file a defamation claim against Mandy with the Superior Court of blah, blah, blah in Ottawa for her Facebook post. What an odd sentence to read <laughs> that you can sue people over a Facebook <laughs> post. Um, what we say there matches what I've said all along. The various allegations are false. So, yeah, if I remember correctly, this is um, There was, like, his s- girlfriend. sexual
2: abuse and... and uh
0: physical, mental, yeah, yeah it's, it's all this stuff that she came out with and apparently, you know, this this cost, you know, this is costing him money, it's costing him work and so he's he's suing her because of that and, uh...
2: So I guess the bottom line here is uh, don't be a creep.
0: Right, yeah, we're, yes, you don't, yeah. Oh yeah, and just, if you actually ask like somebody, how much are you seeking, who else are you suing, you can email him and ask. <laughs> and, um, nothing says I'm a good person who doesn't abuse women like someone bad-mouthing and suing their ex-wife. Um, you're never getting back the goodwill you burn because people thought you were shitty before. The, <laughs> people thought you were shitty before this ever came to light. So, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Without sitting and reading comments, yes, that, I, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm interested. It's, I'm always, somebody actually ran into a fan of the show, and this is always weird to me. When I run into them, like, not, you know, in the real world, but on the Internet and something, they'll see my signature or they'll say, hey, are you that guy? Because, uh, you know, I'm Adam Chance. It's like, are you the guy with Chance of Gaming? And like, Yeah. And it's like, oh, I love that show or whatever. And one guy actually said, he goes, yeah, I listen to your show because how else would I know what the gossip is going on in the industry? <laughs> oh. And I'm and I'm like, really? <laughs> OK, I guess we do that. But I had whatever. no idea. It's a job. It's, you know, what else? You think Tom Vassell's going to do that? Oh, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> we're too close. We're too close. We're
1: all I'm going to have him sign uh, a copy of Brave Little Belgium.
0: Actually, <laughs> I, I can't even think of another, um, the other major guy. Somebody was, like, asking me, like, who he was, and I'm like, eh, hey, he's pretty much, like, one of the, the biggest board game guys, and he lives in Orlando, so this is, like, his convention. You know, you can have that cornet kind of thing. Anyway. So Origins ended, and Origins is something I want to attend one year. Uh, Seems like a couple years ago people were complaining that it got too corporate, but nobody was really complaining about it this year. And so these are the winners. The Game of the Year was Root. It was also Board Game of the Year. Uh, Card Game of the Year was The Mind by Pandasaurus Games. You guys familiar with nope. that? I'm familiar with Pantasaurus game. Seen it in the uh, store.
1: I've not played it.
0: Uh, is it the one with that blue cover and that really weird rabbit yep, looking thing? Yep, that's on the it? one. Okay, you're right. I've seen it too, and I just I never seen. Uh, the Family Game was the T Dragon Society card never game. Never even heard Renegade of that Studios. one. I've seen the cover because it's a bunch of. Uh, uh, oh no, am i thinking. No, I'm thinking the dinosaur one. What is the T Dragon Society card game? I was thinking dinosaur thing yeah i don't know what this is it looks very whimsical and you can get it for 19 bucks on amazon okay so
2: the mind and the tea dragon society are both available at uh in the dice tower library
0: oh nice you know when i was at the board game geek uh library thing um if i had managed to like get myself together mentally there were like several things in there like i thought would be pretty funny to do one of them was they had a copy of um you know those big like uh plastic ships that have cannons that shoot plastic balls no
2: you
3: know they
0: made those yeah they made those into an actual game quote unquote where basically it's just we each set up across my den or my kitchen or whatever. And I shoot these things trying to knock off your plastic guys on the ship. Anyway, they had that in there and I was like, this would be fun to play in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> or I'd like to go through and find like the most obscure, dumb game I can find, you know, in there. That's just mind numbingly boring and try to play it. But anyway, the collectible game of the year was key forge called the archons role playing game of the year was vampire. The masquerade fifth edition. Role playing game supplement was Mordenkind's Tome of Foes. Miniature game was Neckermunda.
2: And Legion.
1: So is it a tie?
0: Legion. I guess. Hmm. The game accessory was the Black Dragon Trophy plaque, which my local game store has all of those. They look pretty cool on the wall. You know, I don't think I could ever put them in my house, but, you know, they do look cool at the actual game store. Uh, they also only four hundred dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: only. And uh, two
1: kill games my own dragon for that owned? price.
0: Hmm? I don't know. The two designers and two games into the adventure game Hall of Fame, and that was Gerald Brom. His name actually sounds familiar. And Val Valada
2: Valada Chevato. I
0: guess Mage and Knights and Trunker.
1: code names. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, and uh, the two games that got put in were Mage Knight by the aforementioned person, and Apples to Apples. Somebody actually was trying to, what kind of game is Apples to Apples? And I'm like, you know, like Cards Against Humanity, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, Apples and Apples is the family friendly mm-hmm. version of. Yeah. That that's actually where they got the idea from, I guess. It, it came first, at least I remember that.
1: So, yeah. Don't forget the Rising Star Award
0: wait did i miss the right yeah your
1: good personal friend oh
0: yes my close personal friend and who recently got a um popeyes endorsement that would be (laughs) uh jamie Stegmeier from stonemaier games so there you go
1: congratulations
0: the inaugural award so yeah i ask i should i should ask him for that press release concerning popeyes and awards so the next thing we got is Osprey is dipping their toe into role-playing. And, of course, I, looking at the covers, they always have good artwork. Whoever does this, I don't know. I mean, the games can be total crap. I don't know. But they have good artwork. They always do. And they're always put together nice, nice hardcover book. It's, it's all great. And uh, this is their two role-playing series. The first one is Romance of the Perilous Land, a role-playing game of British folk- folklore. Written by Scott Malthouse, who wrote Quill and in Darkest Warrens. I don't know what that is. Explores mythic Britain, drawing from the tales of King Arthur, blah, blah, blah. MSRP's 30 bucks. And then you have Paleo Mythic by Graham Rose. In this game, players are stone Age humans in the prehistoric land of Mu. M-U. Trying to survive as hunters, healers, warriors, or soothsayers. Soothsayers. They must contend with hostile tribes, otherworldly spirits, and prehistoric beasts with only Stone Age technology. MSRP is 30 bucks.
1: That one so I've, sounds I've really the, interesting to yeah, me. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, that's some of the two of them. That
2: sounds the best. or sounds pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's, there you go, Richard. Just pick that up. That's what you need. Grab that.
1: I might. Hmm.
0: And uh, the next thing was, I saw this, and I don't understand why this is a big thing, but apparently it is, Starfarers Returns to Catan. Why is this good?
1: Well, so I've never played it. i heard of it, but I've never played it or even seen it. It's obviously been out of print for a while, but my middle child loves Catan. So um, I saw this, and I thought, hmm, maybe this is better than the regular version of the Catan, which I don't like that much, and maybe this one will be better, and we can play this one instead. So that's why I'm interested in it.
2: Now, it seems like I've played this once. I have a friend that has a copy of it. And I, it has some die rollers that are little, very phallically shaped uh, <laughs> die rollers. So it's like a little spaceship rocket that has it has a little dice in it that you shake up. Interesting. That's, I think that's what I've, I remember. I, I believe I played it once.
1: Yeah, I'm just interested. I don't know. It seems like mostly just because if it's better than 10, then we can play that one instead. Mm
0: -hmm. It seems like I remember the first, uh, I remember the Starfares, I think it had like a rocket ship on the the front cover or something. I, I remember it, but yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that one. And I guess the last thing we have is there's another Clank another
1: expansion. Another expansion for for the the regular Clank too. Not not even the uh, the space one. Um, this is, I think, probably the fourth expansion. It's the second clamshell expansion. So there's there's a couple boxed expansions for Clank. There's the the mummy one and the underwater one. And then there's a couple clamshell expansions which. are... Just a map and a few more meeples. And this is the second one of those. But if you like Clank, um, more maps are always... Um, yeah, I enjoy the game quite a bit. I play it with my kids. Um, but it does kind of tend to be the same thing after you've played it a few times. So more maps in this game are always welcome just to give the game a di- little different flavor. Okay. So this one's and Temple of the Roy Eight Lords. plays
2: that too, right? I've played Clank in Space. Okay. All which right. is a standalone.
0: And yeah this reminds me I thought I had this listed in here and it's not so I'll have to hunt up a, uh, a link for it and post it in the show notes. I think I mentioned earlier real early in the show was uh, privateer press just had their lock and load um, show that they do over in England and they announced uh, their new game will be basically war machine in space. So
2: space machine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it's something uh it's, I think it's called like Warcast or something. It's like 5000 years in the future of their timeline. So everybody is like, "Oh, this is war this is war machine 40K or, you know, it's war machine in Spain. What's uh
2: like yeah. Battlefleet Gothic.
0: It's well it's it's going to be or is the it? sci-fi skirmish. Oh, okay. Yes, that's what it's going to be. Sci-fi of skirmish. Course. And I just wrote an article about like just the state of War Machine. <laughs> And like all people's complaints and like what they should do to kind of like help out their thing. But I guess they, they're they okay. They got enough money to do this. So more power to them.
1: More power so, to wow. them.
0: So that's the, the end of the show. We gave away a 100 yards thingamabob. And yeah. So yay. Yay us. Mm. And uh, follow us on Twitch, which is Chance of Gaming. All one word. At Twitch, and on Twitter, and for this uh, awesome Dice Tower Con coverage. And, 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 so, and if you're
1: yeah. going to be at Dice Tower Con, let us know. We'd love to play a game with you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that is yep. true. It's like, is anybody listening actually going to show up? Or or no, they will. They'll show up, like, in Roy's hotel room, <laughs> like, at night with a knife. <laughs> well, I didn't like what you said no! about this game. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it's
0: like, wow, we finally get one fan, and they killed Roy. That's weird. So... It's kind of a glass half full. It's weird. It's bad. Uh, So, there you go. We'll be there. Well, at least I'll be in Orlando. Yeah, be in Orlando, yeah. Where it's about as hot as it is now I mean, you know, if
2: there's any place I'd get murdered, Orlando would be all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll be at at Animal Kingdom Monday, Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom Tuesday. And then I'll be up bright and early going to the con. I guess I'll have to figure that out because I don't, Like, I need, you know, I know I'm going to have to stand in line and all this stuff. I need to figure out, like, what time I need to be there. And because there's a whole parking pass and all this crap. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So, anyway. So, there you go. All right. Well, good night, folks. We will see you guys later. Good night,
2: everybody. Bye-bye.